uh, welcome everybody to the Hockey Toolkit Podcast. I am Trevor DiCarlo. I'm Andrew Trimble. And we are on Season 2, Episode 8, Numero Ocho. How are we doing, Coach? I'm doing pretty well, Trevor. How about yourself? Not too bad. I can't complain. Um, I mean, I can, but nobody wants to hear it. I'm sure pe- plenty of people are going to hear a lot of our complaints about stuff uh in general today, but uh, I'm not. This, I, for this myself, is a vent- venting episode for sure. It is, and I think it's it's good because there's a lot of things that have come up uh, recently. Uh, well, since our last episode in the hockey world, and we're going to touch on a lot of different stuff actually. Um, but yeah, I mean, before we do that, how's uh, how's life out in New England? It's not bad. I mean, we've had about six days of gray skies, and that always is kind of like, uh, you know, this part of the year, the thick, meaty. Uh, you know, <laughs> undercarriage <laughs> of winter. It's like, right. it's like just every day it's 25. It's a gray sky, foggy. It's about to snow. And just like, you know, you look at up at the sky and you're like, just embarrassed. You, if you feel embarrassed for new England, you're like, you know, I just like, can't you control yourself? Can't you like just not snow for a day? Um, we had about a foot this morning. Um, oh man. Yeah. It's just constant. So, you know, I'd like to move past the, um, the 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 snow and get into some warmer skies and warmer weather, like move into spring a little bit. But uh, how about yourself, Trevor? Oh, uh, do we really want to talk about snow? Because uh, what well, was it actually two weeks ago? <clears throat> we uh, team my coach uh, went up to um, Detroit, Michigan for a oh the white knuckle trip. Oh my God, was it ever? Um, which should have taken about close to four and a half hours. I ended up taking. Damn near eight and a half, so it doubled it. Oh, God. Um, if, uh, uh, yeah, so we I grabbed the uh, I rented a car, I went rented an all wheel drive car. Not that it's a huge deal, but it's better than my uh, you know, my small little I don't drive a sedan, but it's a Hyundai, whatever it is. I don't know. Um, but it that would definitely have not held up in the snow. Uh, I think it's like a Sonata or something. Um, and I got actually a Jeep, so that was kind of cool, but um. Yeah, you want to talk about white knuckles? That uh, that was oh, a, especially going around the bend, um, heading towards Michigan from Indiana. That was it was the worst, and I within a, a twenty minute drive, which should have been more or less. And this was just getting the the car and getting to like h- halfway to pick up my uh, assistant coach. I saw like six or seven cars that spun out. Um, in what should have been like a again, this is twenty. It took me twenty minutes to get from this part of the you know for like a ten mile drive. Um, took me twenty minutes and cars just left and right. It was it was scary. I I was not happy. Um, but uh, we kids played well. We had fun. Uh, we lost in the semifinals uh, to I believe the eventual championship uh, winners. Uh, kids had a blast. Like I said, we learned a lot. But yeah, I did not like that. And then on the way back. Uh, in Kalamazoo, they had like a full whiteout, which luckily we had heard about before. So we backtracked. Uh, we actually headed towards Toledo for a little bit, and then went through Indiana and missed that. So I uh, had sure. some family had some families that did not miss that part. Everybody was safe and sound, which is what all we cared about. But I I think I'm going to stick with the rule that uh, one of my uh, previous coaching uh, friends has told me was that he never goes anywhere uh like does any team traveling for tournaments after january 1st which yeah after that 
after this one I was like no no i can't do it again but uh so yeah but i mean i hear you guys got hit hammered i mean hammered with snow yeah we we're kind of the same same boat like you know when we book the junior trips uh, we usually book like our car trips which are our local ones against the avalanche and things like that really early in the season or in like the in the fall when there's not going to be any kind of real weather and then we book like the bus trips for this time of the year but we had one in Adirondack like two weeks ago and uh, you know, like he can't get any sleep. We got, we got out of the game at, at like the game started at seven o'clock. We get out of there at 10 and then we got a three and a half hour drive from there to Laconia in a, in a bus. And you know, you're just looking at the road and you're like, this is just, you know, reliving all those horrible uh, bus stories you hear oh, yeah. uh, in your, in your brain. And then a couple of days later, I'm, I'm taking my son from Exeter back to, um, back to my home and uh, they canceled after school activities. And I heard about that, but you know, stupid me, I'm still like, well, you know, you got to make hockey practice, you know, so we're going down there <laughs> and we're doing that. And they had, we had an ice storm. So it's like, mm. it's that like 32, 33 degree weather where it doesn't like crystallize into snow. And yep. it's just like this water ice that rains down. And, you know, I asked the Czech kid who lives with us, Jan, like, do they have this coming weather and check? And he was like, nope. Never seen it before. <laughs> you know, like he had never seen anything like that. And it's just you're, well, get you're out driving of the car and ice. start pushing. Yeah, get out of the car yeah. and start pushing. <laughs> so I drove like literally thirty miles an hour all the way from Exeter back to Guilford, New Hampshire. Uh, normally that takes like a little over an hour, and it took you know closer to two, and it was just miserable, <laughs> absolutely yeah. miserable. I, I don't. The things we do as hockey coaches or as hockey parents, um, you know it. it we stayed at a Marriott and it was <clears throat> probably not one of the nicer Marriott's that I've been at, but uh, um, like we show up and I'm, I'm just drained. All I want to do, and it's only eight o'clock in you know, Detroit. Um, but all I want to do is just like take a shower and just relax in the hotel, my hotel room. Cause we don't got to be up until like 11 o'clock for our game. And I'm like, I'm like, it's Friday night. I'm like, I think it's cause it's Martin Luther King day weekend. Um, did this huge office marathon on. So I was like, all right, great. I mean, I don't bring my laptop with me. I try to not have too much screens outside of my phone. And I turn on the TV and, oh no, satellite's out. So I was just like, oh, oh my. I was like, oh, you gotta be killing me. So then I'm calling down the front desk to find out like, hey, do you know if like, what's the issue? Is it just, my, you know, is, I'm checking my room, text my assistant coach. He's like, nope, it's out of mine. It's like son of a, and he's like, ah, that's why I brought my iPad. I was like, yeah, well, fuck you. I didn't bring mine. So, you know, I'm sitting rubbing there, it in. Yeah, exactly. So, luckily, I had a book, but uh, eventually it came in and uh, it was only local channels. So I got to watch WWE SmackDown. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it was it was a fun trip and I, you know, I enjoyed it. Um, but yeah, man, those, those are the weather. Yeah, it's, it's getting dicey out there. Yeah, I'm, I'm ready for. You know, I'm ready for a break here. <laughs> ready for, the, for I mean, I like the backyard rig. We got that going. I could actually function really well with like if it's 20 degrees, but there's no wind, and mm-hmm. it's just cold. But but the sky is blue. That that I can deal with that. That's pretty good. But yeah. then when you get all these other conditions in, and it's like gray and right on the cusp of um, snowing all over you, like I'm I'm good. You can, you can check me out on that one. Yeah, and you know it's the part that sucked, which was like I was because I am an anxiety anxious person my anxiety and stuff like i was stressing the entire week leading up to leaving for the trip because i was like you know 
National Weather Service is like, ah, it could miss us. It could might not. And then it was like, okay, it's definitely going to hit, but it might only hit here and there. And at one point, like we were driving through, you know, around the city and into Indiana. And it was just, as you said, like, you know, it was actually just raining. Um, But yeah, once we hit that, we made that curve back up north. It was game over. And uh, yeah, I'm still trying to get my hands loose from gripping that damn steering wheel. You got a carpal tunnel. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> but uh so all right so we caught up with that a little bit of going on there but um you know before we go into any anything else um you know i think uh a big thing that's happened you know while we've had this couple day or a couple week hiatus just because we're in both in the dog days you know before i get to that what uh what, what is your schedule looking like here now with your season are you guys as i just said the dog days are you guys got playoffs coming up or do you still have league games how's that what does that look like yeah we're down to like the final three four weeks of the regular season for the uh both of our junior teams uh they're you know jockeying for playoff position um within each of their divisions um you know and i, I really like I, I said i had a meeting with our team yesterday actually and that brings up a good point too but I, I had a meeting with our team yesterday and we, uh, we watched a, an old 30 for 30 short and I'm starting to think about the team and I actually feel more confident in this group of individuals in that room than I kind of have ever before. They've come through some different parts of the struggle. They've really bonded together. Uh, I think we're playing some of our best hockey and I'm excited about these last four weeks as we uh, you know, get into the playoffs. Um, and then yesterday on, on Sunday, I watched, was you know skimming around YouTube and I watched, um, it just came up on the feed there, the uh, a 25 minute video on the 1993 uh, Montreal Canadiens championship season. And it was one of the first hmm. Stanley Cup finals that I really, really watched. And I remember it being such a big deal. This team, you know, our original six team, the storied Canadians. Um, I always really liked them because they had Kirk Muller, who was a devil, a captain yep. of the devils. And he was traded for Stefan Richet, who I liked Richet, but then I liked Muller too. Uh, so I always kind of liked the Canadians a little bit. Then you're watching this team and they just, overcame so much adversity become this underdog team that made the finals uh and they went through 10 playoff overtime victories to get uh, to, to win that championship they beat you know so many good teams they beat Gretzky in the finals and Wall was the you know otherworldly goaltender and it was just um it was a really really good 25 minute video so if you get a chance to watch that check it out but they had a segment in there uh in which Guy Carboneau and Patrice Brisebois pulled out of their wallet something that Jacques Demare gave them and it was a little business card. It said something to the extent of, uh, you know, you've come together as a team, you've come together through the process, and now there's a chance to achieve some success. And it's just kind of like a, a slogan thing that they kept on their, on their person, and it had their, their number and it had, uh, for each of them. And uh, they actually still had it to that day. Like they pulled it out and it was all beat up and tattered, each of those players. And uh, so we did, we're doing something like that for the, the boys this year because I think they've come to that point where, you know, we've, we've gotten through some difficult times we're playing well and I believe in the group and I'm excited to see where it's going to go from here on out. You know, it's funny you say that because um, actually this past weekend or so when we came back, um, I felt like we faced a lot of adversity as a team. And again, they're nine years old, so take it for what it's worth. But we had a couple kids who were not feeling well. Um, in one of our games, the kid got three penalties. Uh, the officiating was not the best, but the, you know, I didn't really agree with a couple of them, but <clears throat> He got three penalties. Well, if we make it, I you know, if I play him and he gets another penalty, it's it's game over. 
Yeah. Um, you know, he's sitting that game and then the next one. So I had to be real careful and I ended up having to basically sit him from like the first minute of the second period on. Um, and he's one, you know, he's, he's a good player. And so, but then that other kids, you know, all the other kids got more ice time and we're already playing a second game. So, you know, they've got to step up. Um, so we faced that. We, like I said, we had kids sick. We're playing, you know, five, I mean, we played five games within probably less than 72 hours. So, wow. Kids are tired, this and that. And we go from basically having a, sh- well, a small shot in hell making the semis to making it. But like the analogy that I was telling the players was because we had times where sometimes the kids weren't playing as a team. And again, they're nine years old. And you, we're trying to stress like the importance of supporting your teammates, like on the ice, well, of course, off the ice, but supporting them, you know, being open, moving the puck, you know, a, a goal, f- you scoring a goal is a goal for the team. And, um, you know, I use the analogy that, you know, all five skaters on the ice, you know, there's a goalie, obviously, but they're all a motor um, for, you know, a machine. Uh, and if all five, if all five skaters are working hard and doing their jobs and playing their positions and playing as a team, the, the machine keeps going. But if I get one motor that starts slowing down or breaking down yeah, the machine will still work, but not as well. And if I got two motors, so, you know, once but so basically i just kind of related it to a motor and i just like you guys are the charger machines you know like you guys like you got to do it like we can do this and the very next week uh we come back and it's our spirit week for our team so the whole day is charger day and everybody plays a home game and it was done very well that is cool uh one of the parents actually my assistant coach um who's a dad on the team uh, told his wife, who's a team manager about like, you know, Hey, this is what Trevor was saying in the locker room, this and that. It actually was a good thing. Like I, I was saying something positive. Um, and not like, Hey, this is what we got to go tell on Trevor. <laughs> not one of those types of deals, <laughs> but it was uh, more or less like, Hey, so you know, the, the charger machine. So one of the dads, um, on the team, uh, does really well graphic design, mocked up this real simple. And I'll send you a picture later. Uh, just like, charger machine logo type thing of our and every kid got a t-shirt with their number on it that just said charger machine on the front and like everybody waited and they all went in the locker room together to see their shirts and stuff and i i thought it was the coolest thing ever so now all these kids yeah, are wearing that. it and now you know as you said like with the whole like whether the kids remembered it or not they'll always they'll have that t-shirt for however long they can fit in it um and you know maybe then they'll use it for their you know clean off their skates but either way like I was like, man, this, this analogy and like the kids were buying in, they were getting it. And I was just, first of all, kudos and thank you to the parents that did it. Um, but again, it like those things, they do matter. Like you, Absolutely. you remember those things. So uh, yeah, I, I got a, I'll send you the video and the pictures I took of the, uh, before they got them. And I actually, the coaches got them too. So that was kind of cool too. So I love that. I, I think, you know, one of those kids I guarantee it is going to pull that out of his dresser drawer when he moves from his parents house into his uh new 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 his first ever home purchase or with his wife and he's gonna have to explain that story to somebody so that's that's a really cool thing trevor i love that that's why we do it but uh yeah so you know you brought up the nhl um that documentary i'll definitely take a look it's awesome fantastic it's on youtube so that means i don't have to pay any other subscription fee for it um (laughs) but uh yeah i mean around the nhl right now uh you know big news seems like with hockey canada um, and I, we could probably link two of our topics together, but, uh, seems like, uh, 
the sexual assault case that had happened back in 2018 with the world junior team. Uh, looks like those uh, five players are, are have been pulled uh, have been pulled away from their or they've left on their own accord uh, to London, and they are uh, facing. Uh, they're gonna be they got some stuff coming up here. I, I don't know the specifics, but it sounds like they're gonna be interrogated, and they've got some other things going on. Yeah, it sounds like I think February fifth is the date where they're gonna release you know greater details and more information on what uh, the charges actually are. Uh, but I would say to all young players who, you know, are on teams or in different situations that, you know, doing the right thing or, you know, or not doing the right thing, those decisions that you make, they're, they're, you can't escape them sometimes. And you can be at the highest levels and be a professional athlete, um, you know, and then you, know, you, you can't change those decisions sometimes once you make them. And uh, they have lasting ramifications, uh, which is, you know, pretty good, you know, pretty, pretty scary stuff sometimes. Now, did you get a chance to actually read the report of what happened? I did. I did not. I know I've read the players involved. Two, two of them are on the Devils. I mean, yeah. uh, Michael McLeod is kind of having a career year for the Devils. He's been a fantastic player all season. I think he's been probably their most consistent forward, healthy forward. Um, so I know the players involved, um, but I don't really know the full details of the report. No. So I mean, I, I read, I read the articles that um, I think Rick West had written, Katie Strang had written with from the Athletic, as well as the actual documents. You know, all the other stuff that was put out by the lawyers and such. And um, it's it it is a it, it's a fucked up situation. I'm I'm, I'm not going to mince words here. It's a fucked up situation, and I feel awful for the victim in this uh, case. While everybody can sit here and say, you know everyone's innocent until proven guilty, whatever. That's not, you know, something happened. And, and I hope whatever, I hope she's has been able to since it happened. And it's probably gonna be traumatic for her to go through this again, but she wants it to be like, she wants them. She's going to come forward and she's going to say like, this is what happened. She's going to be in the public eye. And I think that that takes a lot of courage to do that. So um, you know, hoping she's getting the help that she needs. And I, you know, I'm sorry that that happened to her, but, you know, bravo for standing up and, you know, instead of just taking that bullshit settlement that uh, Hockey Canada gave out to her, um, you know, she's going to she's going to put her face out there and she's going to explain in detail what happened. And, I, you know, I hope whatever whatever the, if there is, a you know, the punishment if these guys don't get to play hockey again, then they don't get to play hockey again. It's they don't get that privilege anymore. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a really, you know, it's, 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 you know, the world becomes a very real place, you know, when you get outside the the confines of, of, of your own parents and your own upbringing, when you're making decisions for yourself, uh, you know, and you're involved in a situation and you don't make the right decision, you know, you're on your own and you got to defend yourself in court. And, uh, it's, it's a scary endeavor. Like if, if you're a player who's involved in something like that, um, you know, there's no, there's no amount of money that can, that can give that other person, that victim, any kind of um, clarity or comfort um, other than, you know, having the, the real person, the pers- people or persons involved uh, serve some time. And that, that's a scary endeavor. And again, even serving time, sometimes that's not even enough, but I think another and again, I don't want to 
it's a tough it's a tough thing to talk about. So one of the things I didn't want to talk about though was um and I know this is already news, it's been out for a while, but the whole thing with hockey Canada use having basically a, a like a secret fund to pay off any yeah, type crazy. of lawsuits. Like Canadian hockey players, youth hockey, adult hockey players are there and their fees are essentially part of it. Um, are going into this little fund that for the longest time, no one knew about now, from what I understand is that most of the people that were part of hockey Canada and the leadership roles have been gone. They've cleaned house, but how messed up is that that they've got their own private secret fund that high just for these types of things that come up. I mean, I'd like to know more details on, on that. Like who, whose bright idea it was to start the fund, who thought it was a, a good idea to allocate money, other people's money to, to that fund. Um, it's, it's, it's a pretty wild scenario where you're taking other people's money for the, for the growth of the game and the protection and sanctity of the game and then using to pay off uh, these horrible acts by, you know, bad, bad, bad people within the game. Um, you know, Hockey Canada's had some really, really black eyes in, in the last 20, 25 years. Everything from, you know, Graham James to, yep. to stuff like this. It's, 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 it's not looking good for Hockey Canada and, and the decision makers up top. No, and, and I mean, that's, that's what boggles my mind is that instead of using that money to – educate coaches to educate teams to educate players they decided you know oh fuck it we'll just use it as our you know our our a blank check to you know instead of trying to prevent the problem they're just writing it to you know push away the problem and i think that's i mean i think sheldon keith's done a you know fantastic job with what he's trying to do with and i forgot what it's called it's gonna kill me but it's like project um i forgot what it is but where he's going out and like educating teams and I think in the NHL, every employee took his course like they had to. Um, and I think that's a step in the right direction. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't even know. Does Canada, not that, and again, I don't, it's tough to say because do I think safe sport, does I, do I think it's preventative of some stuff? Yeah, absolutely. Do I still think some things that are going to happen will happen? Sadly, I still think no matter how much education, you know, you've, you just have to do your best to make sure it doesn't happen. But I don't know. I mean, do you know even if Canada has any type of quote unquote safe sport that they have to do up there? I don't know. That's a great question, Trevor. I know that in terms of what, you know, my interactions with safe sport, um, knowing that it exists and knowing that uh, we are um, involved in it and we have to complete just the safe sport training and get renewed on it every, every year, or every two years, whatever it is, knowing that it is there makes me more um, cognizant of all these situations. You know, Absolutely. If, if, it was, if it wasn't even there, then, you know, my compass would say, I'm not going to, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do the right thing. But knowing that it's there now, I, now I view all, all my interactions with parents and kids in a different lens. And that makes a big difference in the decision-making process for, for everyone, because they know that there is a governing body. There is, there is um, people involved that, that are looking out for kids' best interests. So it, it makes a big difference. It just, just having it makes a big difference. Absolutely. And I, um, you know, it, it's, it is, it, I mean, not that, and again, I think there's some times out there where, you know, as you, as a coach, like you might get in a situation where you've come, you know, back in the day where you'd be like, Oh, we were just talking in my office, like one-on-one, -on -one. like, 
you can't do that though. Like you just, you know, and now again, maybe, okay. You know, I'm not going to play like, Oh, it's never all right, but you didn't think about it. Now, like we have to think about those things, but again, it's, it's good because it protects all parties involved. And especially as a coach, I mean, I want to be protected and never have any type of accusation um, pop up, you know, because, oh, well, you know, coach, you know, hold on, not even myself, but coach, let's just say coach Greg over here, you know, he's, uh, he was talking to so-and-so the kid in the, you know, the, the party room by, you know, just by himself. Like you don't want any of that anywhere. Like cause no. that shit spreads like wildfires. So, you know, and myself and my assistant, cause again, we're working nine year olds. I mean, it's, uh, again, there's always two of us in the locker room. And if it's not two of us, there's always at least two to three players in that locker room. Once it gets down to one kid, like, oh, as I can see this, the second to last kid leaving, like, Hey, hold up one second. Let me grab my stuff because I need to walk out with you and stand in the hallway while, you know, little Billy here while he get, finishes up so that I can, you know, protect myself. Um, absolutely. It's sad that that's the world we live in, but it's just, you know, I'm, we're cognizant of it. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's just, uh, it's unreal. Um, we could, I mean, you know, the, the other thing that's going on right now, big news in uh, USA hockey is, uh, net guards are now being, are now mandatory for the next season. So 24, 25 season, uh, they are mandatory for all players. Thoughts on that coach? Yeah, I think it's really like you've alluded to a couple different things. But I mean, uh, ever since January first, there's been a lot of hockey news, and there's been a lot of a lot of changes within the game. Um, all the stuff with obviously the, the sexual assault issue in Hockey Canada. Uh, there's some other th- uh, um, concepts and different changes we're going to talk about later. But uh, I think this is a, a pretty significant one. Canada has had the net guard rule for a long time in place for all levels of amateur hockey. Uh, now the U.S. is catching up to speed. And as we discussed in like an earlier earlier episode, I think it's the right move. I, I really do. My son wears a, a neck guard. It's it's just, a, you know, a cut-resistant material that exists around his neck. We didn't have that when I was a kid. Uh, you were called all sorts of names when you had that big plastic thing around your, yeah. around your neck. Uh, and it was uncomfortable. But now these things, it's just cut-resistant because that's where the really the issue arises. It's not like an impact to the throat that you see these devastating injuries. It's when a blade uh, cuts somewhere around the neck and can cause excessive bleeding, obviously. So um, I think they made them comfortable. They've made them wearable. They made them breathable. I think they're really good for, for players. And all they are, the only reason they're there is to protect kids. And we want more kids playing the game in a safe manner. So I, th- I think it's, a, it's the right move. No, as we said before, and we've talked about when this first came up uh, with the passing of Adam Johnson. Um, yeah, I mean, it makes sense, you know, as long as the kids are wearing them appropriately. And, and again, the technology of them have come a long way, as you said. Um, you know, now with even the shirts that have them, you know, as long as they're being worn properly, they they serve a purpose. And I, you don't, like, again, I mean, it's no different than guys like Thomas Panic or uh, whoever else would wear, you know, the, the basically the turtlenecks underneath. Like, these things are even less than that. Um so it it makes sense on all levels, and I have no issue with it. I I don't know why we didn't really have it earlier, but you know I, I know it's the rule changes and other BS that we talk about within USA Hockey. So, um, good move, yeah. 
Absolutely. I mean, I, the next thing is they're going to make coaches wear some things behind the bench. I could see that coming down the chute pretty quickly as well. Uh, nah. the, amount of times, the amount of times I've been hit with pucks, sticks, all sorts of things. So actually, today in practice, we had a red-black scrimmage, our EHL versus our EHL premier team, and I got hit with a puck in the arm. And the kids all looked at me, and I said I felt pretty pretty bad for the puck, but um, <laughs> you know, that, that's neither here nor there. Usually when I get hit by it, I'm like, oh man, that tickled. Um, you know, <laughs> nothing happened. Yeah, I God, I mean, I'm fine with wearing a helmet. It doesn't bother me. I get the I get the point, and you know, I wear it appropriately as a coach. I I I would hate to have to be sitting behind like on the bench, like getting you know wearing like a bubble or something in a helmet itself. I mean, I, knock on wood, I, on the bench, I've never been hit by a puck. Knock on wood. Really? Yeah, I've never. And <laughs> oh I mean, my gosh. and again, with youth, younger levels, like I stand on the bench with the kids, but at the older levels, like, yeah, I, I mean, I stand behind the bench and I've never been like hit in the face or anything like that. Now, next week, I'm going to, this weekend, I'm yeah, going to probably you better like, knock on wood, but yeah, I, oh, I am. I'm going to have like two black guys coming to hit not only once, but probably twice. But that said, I've caught a couple sticks in the, I've got you a know, lot of stick in the balls. Yeah, sure. quite a few. And, the, you know, I'd almost been stabbed in the face by a couple of skates with kids jumping over boards. But, uh, yeah, never never a puck in the face. So that's <laughs> – count my blessings. That's, I mean, you got to I, – I really – I started this con- this part of the conversation, and I feel bad now because it's going to happen, man. <laughs> well, for <laughs> it's sure. It's not, not good. You're going to be my first <laughs> fucking call. Not, it's not going to be an ambulance because I'm, I'm going to shake it off, but uh, I'm going to call you and be like, yeah, hold on. We're, we're stopping this game. I have to make a phone call. Do you, don't worry about yeah, it, folks. You, you set me up. <laughs> you son of a bitch. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, so, you know, and other things that were feels like you're getting smacked in the head right now, and I think that kind of goes down our last three things we wanted to talk about was uh, – and I'm going to be honest, this one I'm a little bit more ignorant, not ignorant. I, I know less about. I've seen a lot of the info, but I, I'm pretty sure you've got a much stronger idea about this and uh, know, knowing what's going on. But uh, getting back to Hockey Canada, um, looks like there's been some issues with the uh, uh, the Alberta Junior Hockey League uh, kind of having their own versus Hockey Canada fight like the BCHL was having. Uh, do you, have you been following that? Yeah, I've been following it. Um, you know, hockey, uh, you know, the, the tier two junior A level in Canada uh, was really divided up by province for, for a long, long time. You had the Maritimes League, and then you had the, the Quebec AAA. You had a number of leagues in Ontario, including the OJ and the, um, the CCHL. Um, then you have the, you know, the Saskatchewan, the Manitoba, the uh, Alberta Junior Hockey League, and then you had the BCHL. And the BCHL, for the longest time was, was the number one tier two junior A hockey league in the, uh, in, in Canada. You had a number of, like, I mean, hundreds of NHL players, yeah. even first round picks came out of the BCHL and then, but they wanted to keep their NCAA eligibility. So they didn't play major junior, which is deemed as a professional level league, according to the NCAA. Right, um, right. The next best league definitely was the, the AJ, the Alberta junior hockey league. I mean, I mean, kill McCarr, fourth overall pick in the draft played in that league. Um, it's, it's an unbelievable league, but it's kind of, it's kind of top heavy. It's not like the BCHL where there's, you know, it's pretty consistent throughout the league. The AJ is a little bit top heavy with teams like Brooks uh, are always at the top of the league yep. and they have, you know, the, the top players playing that league. Um, so 
when the BCHL made that defection like late last summer and to be, you know, an autonomous league outside USA, outside hockey Canada, um, there obviously is some backlash and some ramifications that they're still dealing with, but it's just for an opportunity for them to now recruit nationally across Canada to be their own entity, to go up against the USHL in terms of like the next best league for professional development while also keeping that NCAA eligibility. And, you know, there's teams that want to be a part of it. There's team, there's probably going to be more in some, some of these other leagues, but I think the BCHL by only taking the teams that are up to snuff uh, only makes themselves better. I mean, to now have some of those top teams from the AJ in, in their league going forward, that is a really attractive league. If you're like a, you know, a, a really good pro prospect, but want that maybe that year or two of NCAA development, it's, it's fantastic for like uh, the future of that league and how good that league could be. No, for sure. I mean, I've, so I've got a few buddies um, or, you know, as well as, you know, previous coaching colleagues that I worked with that played in the BCHL and, you know, and actually a couple I think played in the CCHL and, you know, just hearing about, you know, how good a talent was and talking about guys like, Oh yeah, I played, you know, and, I was, you know, 18 and he was 16 and the kid was just ripping us up, you know. Um, I mean, it, it is next to the USHL, I would say. Yeah, I mean, probably the for at least especially Canadian players to go play in the NCAA um, and keep that eligibility. That said, um, the thing that really kind of irks me and I don't, I don't understand is that recently, though, when the AJHL team teams – and I believe it's five of them said, Hey, after the season, they announced, I don't know if they announced it or if BCHL announced it, but they said that they were going to be moving over next season. Hockey Canada and the AJHL shut down those games for those five teams, just, you know, cancel them for whatever reason. I, I still can't get a single freaking good answer on this because they're still in the AJHL. They're still paying for Hockey Canada dues or whatever to be in that league. And now all of a sudden, they're just going to cancel their games. I mean, you're talking about, okay, if, you're, if it's five teams, say they're rostering 20 kids, it's a hundred kids that are missing out on ch their chance to play for no fucking reason. It's still their regular season. Yeah. I, I, I did hear that as well. Um, and I think anytime you take a hardball stance like that, that ends up punishing kids who aren't directly um, involved in the decision-making process, who are you hurting? You're hurting, you're hurting, the, the kids that are, are, are the lifeblood of your entire league. Um, I don't, I, you know, these backlash moves, any kind of reactionary like that, I think it only makes the governing body, the people that are doing the, the, the fighting back in that particular way, only makes them look bad. It really does. Um, I think there needs to be a, a negotiation, a sit down that really, and it has to happen sooner rather than later if it hasn't happened already, that can really bring these issues to the table and come to a, an honest resolution about uh, the future of, of tier two junior A in Canada. And, and as I said, it, it, you know, you, it's the adults in the room are making these decisions. It's not the kids and you've got kids who are, you know, they're, this is their last year of junior eligibility. And now all of a sudden they can't play games and they can't, you know, who knows who is going to come out and watch them play. Oh, they were going to be local. So I'm going to go watch this game or that. I mean, now all of a sudden they're they're the ones getting burned and it's like as you said have the negotiations well earlier or but don't take it out on the kids because that's really who you're taking it out on not the teams these teams aren't really making huge dollars let's be honest they're not it's 
the kids that are, you know, the ones that are, are going to get the brunt of this. And I got to feel bad for that. So the kids in the situation, um, you know, and it's one of those things where, okay, I mean, hockey Canada, you're screwing up all over the place. Like, what are you guys not doing right for these teams? You know? And I think the big thing is that, you know, the AAU, and that's what they're probably going to be playing under. Um, I mean, I don't know what, what other option they have. Um, or maybe it's not AAU, but whatever the case may be for their insurance, you know, it's an option, but it's not different than USA hockey. You know, what are they doing? Not doing that's discussion. What could be doing junior teams. Cause I mean, the EHL, you guys are, you guys are AAU, right? Uh, we, we are self-governing. Um, I'm, to be oh, honest okay. with you, I'm not quite, quite sure what our insurance is uh, but you we are self-governing right? <laughs> for sure and um you know we wanted to we had our decision was a lengthy decision on that and uh there's so many things that go into that decision that was like when you stack them all up it was there were very few pros to stay within usa hockey underneath their umbrella and that's it's sad to say because you know i i love yeah. uh for the most part i really love the adm and i love uh how usa hockey has grown the game in the united states but at the tier two and tier three level there needs to be, uh, in my opinion, there needs to be a, a broad overhaul of what, what we're doing with the junior hockey level, uh, you know, because, you know, there's very different operators and there's very different standards. And there's um, we were at the table for a long time as the EHL and we didn't really have a vote. You know, you had at the tier two and three level outside of the USHL, you know, you had the NA and the NA three and they could vote together. Uh, you have the EHL, which governs, right. you know, sitting at the table. Then, you know, in some cases you had the USPHL and the NCDC, but that really was a different beast. But um, we didn't really have a, really have a say in the room. And um, we're doing a lot of good things in the EHL. We want to have a say in the room. We want to have the say in the future of hockey. So um, it, it was it was it was a well thought out. Right. For room. sure. No, I mean, but, it, and, I think it's. Go ahead, Trevor. I'm sorry. It's it's no, I mean it's definitely. I think I uh, or uh, I think I didn't get your it's not a big deal. Um, no, I mean I think it's uh you know again you guys are doing great. You guys are doing you're the num by the numbers. You guys are doing the right thing. Um, where you look at some of these other leagues, and I guess that's again another topic of uh, conversation for another day. But um, you know I'm sure it, I'm sure it's not easy just to walk away from. Hockey Canada, as much as it feels like it is, I'm sure it's not was not an easy decision. Um, and again, I think at the end of the day, all this is really doing is hurting those those kids on those five teams in the AJ, and especially now where it's really getting kind of close to the end. I feel bad for them because uh, they deserve that. Um, and especially no, these are kids that have also lost out on too. So I mean, like kick them all yeah, I mean, down still. Yeah, you're dealing with a, con a country. Well, uh, well, Hockey Canada's had enough black eyes in the last six months. You have that on top of that. And then you also have many of these players within the last three years have experienced being locked down for basically two years and not being able to play hockey in some cases for a good portion of that. Uh, you know, it's like... I feel like it's that's going to set them up for another the lawsuit. For sure. Yeah, I, mean, I feel like that's going to set them up for another lawsuit, which, you know, rightfully so. Go for them. Hope, I just hope this time, and not as a joke, but I hope this time they, they actually go from Hockey Canada's fees and not the people who's paying them. But uh, yeah, Absolutely. But now what is a joke? Uh, so, like my little segue there. Uh, 
So, uh, as we've come to learn, um, and uh, again, anybody can be anybody on the fucking internet these days. Um, and since Mr. I Train Hockey will not get back to us about anything, um, you and I both actually came upon a separately and then obviously joined together, found a uh, somebody out there who uh, do we do we want even want to name the channel or no? Well, I think it all started with a tweet by Heat Daddy, right? Yes, yeah, it did. Yeah, that's it for sure. It started there, and it was, um, you know, the claims that I could play professional hockey, but I choose not to, and this whole thing, and um, it was a just a wild video, um, you know, and, and the videos that I've I've now seen over the last couple of days only reinforce how much he's drilling down into that comment, and. Um, you know, it, it gives a lot of credence that, you know, if you want to coach kids, why is every video about yourself? Coach kids, give some information that is helpful to kids and let's see some progress in those young athletes instead of just focusing on yourself and what you are doing and how much you know and how much better you can do it than these established professionals within the field. It's like you can't you can't hate your way to the top. You have to actually have some, have some real, real success stories. That's what you want to see. Like, you know, I, so I've had this back and forth with, with Tim Kuhn's, my, our EHL coach, my co the co-owner of the world with me. And uh, we've had some different discussions about some of these individuals uh, or advisors, which we'll get to later. Uh, and there's a great old Guns N' Roses song. I think it's on their Use, Use Your Illusion, one of their Use Your Illusion albums. And it's called Get in the Ring. You know, you ever heard of it, Trevor? Yes, I have. Yes. <laughs> you know, and he's criticizing, like he's he's calling out one of the guys from some some magazine about his, you know, or the record label label and how they're criticizing the band and this and that. And he's like, get in the ring. And right. I, I won't go too much further on, on that. But like, <laughs> I, I would say to all the people that um, all the advisors who criticize coaches or all these like skill instructors who criticize coaches get in the ring if you want to have results put like put your money where your mouth is get behind a bench coach a team for a year and let's see your your um your success stories from that um i've had successes i've had failures i've had to learn through the process but i got in the ring right <laughs> and that's i mean that is the that will be the title of our episode today uh get in the ring but so yeah, Mr. Uh, Mr. Hockey Guy here. It's, it's a kid who I say kid because he's younger. He's probably in his early twenties. He didn't have like it's so hard to describe because it's so asinine, and you're just like, how does this happen? And but and I know how it happens, but that's that's a parenting discussion. I got another thing for another day. A uh, lack of parenting. Let's put it that way. Um, <laughs> you know, the, here's the thing: the kid is the guy's. He's young, as you said, you know, he thinks he's got all the answers, this and that. We look at, you know, somebody pulled it up in the tweet and was put up his junior hockey stats. And I think he finished his career in the EHLP. Like he didn't even make it to quote unquote, you know, tier one. He didn't make it to USHL or, you know, the pros or college, but he's sitting here telling us he could have done it and this and that. And he's going on, and as you said, he's bashing 
numerous different people. Now, I don't, I can't watch his videos anymore because uh, you sent me one of his videos and I thought I was running back to you uh, in Instagram that what is this? I don't even know what this clown is saying. And suddenly now I'm blocked. <laughs> so I can only live vicariously through you and your stories of the videos. Um, and congratulations. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, no, I mean, I would, but. From what I saw, it was it was like blaming everybody else for his failures as a player, why he didn't make it, or why you know he could still go and do this, but he doesn't. And it, you know, it's the thing is, yeah, getting the ring like I've more so many times and uh, doing the things that I've done as a coach, just learning and you know, doing skill sessions or whatever. And here's somebody who I don't even think he's even been a coach on a single team. Um, but he's going to sell you all of his, oh, I'm going to do video with you and I'm going to do this and that. And it's like everybody, like he's basically, <laughs> you take the worst characteristics of every skills instructor who everybody is tired of hearing about and hearing from, you take all their negative characteristics and boom, you put it in this kid's body and that's him. Like that's it right there. He has got Absolutely. everything. He's the terrible salesman. He is shitty. And it's like, dude, who the who the fuck are you? Who are you? Like, okay, you can go. It's nothing special, okay? I've done 15, you know, 14 years now of coaching and working my way up and learning from people. And, like, I'm not going to sit here and shit on the people that I've learned from. Like, but he has no, clearly no problem doing it. I mean, he's selling everything. The selling. He's throwing them under the bus. Oh, I didn't get taught this. And I wasn't taught that. Got a new way of teaching it. Like, okay. You didn't, how, how are you doing it? What are you doing? Like, give us something. But it's every, yeah. I'm going to shit on this. I'm going to shit on this. But come do my thing. Like, you've got no proof. Ah, it's Absolutely. fucking irritating. So maybe it is. I'm good. I'm blown. But he's he's certainly the most uncoachable hack that I've ever <laughs> ever ever like encountered. Like in in these videos, like you know, he has all the answers, but he's never like he's just an, an uncoachable kid, and that's really sad that you know like he has a platform now. I would say that you know, in terms of like a playing career, like you know, I didn't play in the NHL, but either did Daryl Belfry, who's like a great skills instructor, worked with bunch yeah. of nhl guys but he has the proof within working with nhl guys you know the, he criticizes laura stam a lot who um yeah maybe you know her system started in the 80s but you know if i read a history book from the 80s some of that information would be inaccurate now systems evolve and get better and improve over time but she also you know worked a lot with nhl players and uh and, you know john cooper stuff, john cooper is, you, no go ahead sorry oh john cooper i, I mean he he was a you know, he didn't play college hockey, but he got in the ring and yeah. he, he gave up his law practice. He was a practicing lawyer and he coached. He had success at every single step. He earned yep. it, he got in the ring and earned his way up. So you don't need to have necessarily that that long professional or high level right. career, but you got to get in the ring. You got to prove that you can do it. If you're just going to chew down everybody, you come in, you know, in, in the content in, in, in their path. Then, then you're just a you're just a hack, right? And I I, I can't let's put it this way: I can see people falling 
un- uneducated parents in the hockey realm um, falling for what he's selling. Like I, I can see it. I mean, we, we know it happens. Um, you know, the fact that, and it's sad because now any day, I mean, his videos are not terribly done. I mean, I'm not going to knock him on that. Like, it's just the information that's in them. And now it's like, I feel like every, you know, <laughs> every jabroni out there can go out there and start making their own videos and selling some BS, you know, product to people. And I just, I, I think the big thing that pissed off a lot of people online was, oh, I could be playing pro hockey, but I decided, you know, not to. And it's like, what was it for like every hundred um, for, for one being able to play pro hockey, I could create a hundred professional hockey players. And it's like, yeah. what? What? So, it's I mean, God, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I would love to have a discussion with him. That'll never happen. Um, I would love for him to like show up on a platform that I'm not blocked on, which is everything except, I mean, he just blocked me on Instagram. So that's not a big deal. Uh, and I, I don't even care. It's probably for the best. Um, but yeah, what a f- speaking of hacks, um, oh, but, but, but for one thing on that, you know, like, um, he, he's been, I agree with you. He's been posting a lot of videos, but they're all players in space. If you have time in space at any level, you can look pretty good, pretty oh, good. Yeah. But you know, we had an interview with Mike King, who's the video coach for the Ottawa senators. Yeah. Uh, and one of the things he said he likes to do with their guys is videotape segments during their games, break down their shifts and, and then um, provide that information to the assistant coaches or the development coaches um, within the, within their team. And then they can implement drills in practice or open time that can work on those skills for those specific players. Uh, And a lot of it is board play, you know, being able to make a play coming out of your zone or in the zone, uh, making a play off the wall where you have to momentarily get your head down and then evaluate the situation in a short time frame. And those are the real skills that separate a good college player from a professional player, from a high school player, from a college or junior player. It's not going around a bunch of tires in space. Anybody can mimic. Like I remember being a kid, you know, in my backyard and mimicking (laughs) Julio Franco's batting stance. I look pretty good. I got down pretty good. And I'm not even a Sheffield guy. I was more of a Sheffield guy, but yeah. (laughs) You know, you can mimic those stances. I mean, of course I even hit some, you know, I got that big leg kick from Dallas Strawberry, you know, and I was a righty and he was a lefty and it looked pretty good, but that isn't, doesn't mean I'm going to hit a major league pitcher. Right. No, absolutely. And I agree. And I've, those videos that I've seen that he's posted out there, um, you know, it's one of those things where, yeah, he's going around cones and he's, you know, he says, oh, I'm replicating what NHL players are doing. Right. Well, yeah. As you said, I mean, that's a great point. Yeah. They're all without with plenty of time and space, not under pressure. And you're talking about the best of the best. I'm not saying you can't take those things and apply them to your game. That's I mean, that's how you get better. Like for sure. But for how he's teaching it and for what he's saying, yeah, it's, I just, I feel like this is just where, like, this is why social media is a negative life. <laughs> you know, like there's pros and cons to everything. Like this is like on the far end of the spectrum of a con for hockey, at least that. And, and I, and I do believe he is on the spectrum some point at some point. He's, yeah, he's somewhere I, on the spectrum. Yeah. I, uh, he's something's wrong. He's, admitted that he got crapped on doubled down on it and still going with it man i have no idea it's very strange it's, it's that anonymous you know like anonymous people that 
not bored to talk shit about people. Um, they're the worst of the worst. But I guess the final piece of the worst of the worst that we want to talk about. I mean, if you, if you want to lead this segment, uh, by all means, sure. I have no fire sure, away. Well, I, st- I started about 10 days ago, um, hockey advisor horror stories. I started with part one, uh, which had two cases on that uh, on that topic. It's available yep. on the Hockey Focus. Then I had last week I came out with part two, and today I came out with part three. Um, and they're just the many stories. Oh, thank you very much. They're, they're, no, I mean, I enjoyed them. And they're all true stories, you know, and I, I keep kids' names out of them uh, to protect the innocent, you know. But uh, most of it is just the conversations I've had with advisors that have made me really scratch my head. And, um, you know, some of the some of the cases have been – so, I mean, I should rewind a little bit. But when, when we come down to the advisory business, the advisory business is an unlicensed – unregulated, uh, uncertified business in quotes with zero background checks. You don't go to college to become a hockey advisor. Uh, Usually you're a former player or a person who has an interest in the game uh, and you're unwilling to step in the ring and be a coach. Uh, You're unwilling to step in the ring and be an administrator for a program. So you want to dole out this advice from atop your, your perch and if it has success, great. If not, oh, well, you know, the kid wasn't good enough. So there's an easy, like, easy, um, easy exit if it doesn't work out for the, the player involved. And the fees that they're charging these days are exorbitant. They're, they're close to a full season tuition in many cases uh, at the junior level. Yeah. And, and it's like they're just not I, – I rarely see a kid really, really benefit um, – I've even seen, as you can see in part two, I've seen people who are, have, are, are unlicensed who are, have criminal backgrounds, have served time in prison, uh, who are in this business. And it's scary. It's scary for, our, for our, the future of our kids who are, um, you know, they're very tech savvy. This, this, what is it? What are we on? Generation, what is it? The millennials? Is that, is that what we're dealing with? No, I think it's Generation Z now or something. <laughs> the Generation Z is... They're, they're, they're great. They have their own set of skills and their own set of things, but I don't think always they are detail oriented and they cross their I's and dot their T's or cross their T's and dot their I's. I should say that. <laughs> Sorry about that. All right. Um, you know, so like, I mean, we, you know, we've had cases where they just don't, they, they didn't even know the full name of their advisor, but they're paying them five grand a year. And it's like, what are we doing, kid? You really, you, you got to know who you're dealing with. There are some good ones out there who really help kids, but there are a Absolutely. lot of, there are a lot of um, wolves in sheep's clothing. And again, I think it's kind of you know, similar with that whole, you know, hack job that we just talked about. Um, you know, there are good skills coaches out there. There are some good, you know, good quality videos and stuff. And I know, I think I just sent you one earlier that I, I really like watching the guy's videos that he has yeah. of, you know, like different things. And um, like there are good, there is good in different things. But sadly, you don't always hear a lot about the good. You typically hear a lot about the negative. And I think that's just that's just how our society is. I mean, you turn on the news, you know, it doesn't start off with a guy who just saved, you know, you know, a puppy from you know getting crushed by a car. It's the, you know, it's the little fire that happened down the street and that didn't do anything, but oh, it's that's gonna be the headline of your that's you know. Sex sells, baby. Um, would have been another great episode title, but probably would not have gotten past the censors. But anyhow, 
Uh, yes. So advising, uh, my, in my experience with advisors, again, I have nowhere near as much as you would. Um, it feels like a slimy business. Um, and as you said, you know, quotes business, it feels like there isn't, there isn't enough good quality ones out there. And I feel like the reason it, that it's so prevalent and so easy to just become a quote unquote advisor is Absolutely. because, because there's no education. And again, like this is a problem with our society with hockey, or at least hockey, because again, hockey is not, you know, it's not like baseball. It's not like football, you know, baseball. If you're going to play pro, like you're going from high school get drafted or you're going from high school to college and then you might get drafted or, or you're done. Like that's it. Same thing with football, football, you're going from, you're going from high school to college. And if you're good enough to pro like hockey's different though, hockey, you've got junior hockey and before college hockey, before any type of professional hockey, like there's this huge path. And again, not many people have put, I mean, compared to all the other sports, Hockey is not on the, you know, it was probably in the top three, maybe even the top four anymore of, you know, sports played by youth. And growing up, I mean, I've got, I've had parents over the years tell me numerous times, you know, I grew up over here. Like I grew up in Chicago, but I never played hockey or I grew up, you know, in, in Iowa and we, all we did was football. Like, okay. Yeah. Like that makes sense. You know, I'm you know, maybe like, if you ask me this stuff about football, I'll tell you that he goes, but hockey, I don't know. He goes, I'm just here to, you know, make sure my kids working hard and having fun. That's the problem, though, is that you've got kids, not even kids, but parents who, because that's ultimately that's who's footing the bill for these yes. advisors. They don't know, they don't know, uh, what is the right course of action to take, and that's where it feels predatory, as you've said, is that because some of these guys are like, yeah, sure, for a small sum, I'll help guide you through the whole system. And you know what? Oh, well, I, I want to make sure my kid gets put on the right place because they'll tell you horror stories about, you know, well, this is what happens if your kid doesn't get get there. But this is what happens when if I work with your kid, like th that's the predatory part. So we've got this whole whole society, not whole, but a large chunk of a hockey society who doesn't know right from wrong. And that's where these guys come in with their companies and great websites and names and this and their jackets and this and that and they they sell this dream to people and they're not really always as you said some of them never you know been in the ring some of them never actually thrown their head in and, and done those things but they can tell you exactly what you need to do because oh they played college hockey or they played a little bit of professional but they've never been in that local scene as someone outside of being a player yeah, and I would I agree with that 100%, Trevor. But I would also say that it's become, you know, in the first you know, five, six years when I was coaching at the junior level, it was almost like kids made fun of the kid who had an advisor. Oh, this, that kid thinks he's going to play in the show one day. He thinks he's yeah. going to D1. Yeah. Like they would make fun of that kid. Um, but then it became like a chase, uh, you know, like keeping up with the Joneses. Oh, well, little Tommy has an advisor. And my kid's just as good as little Tommy. If he gets to play in college and my kid doesn't, uh, you know, like it's, right. it's there's got to be something wrong here. So I need to get him an advisor. But the reality is, 
your kid's going to play in college by by more training time, by by getting stronger in the gym, by getting good academic marks, by by uh, being a good teammate, by having success at the level he's at. He will naturally progress. Um, you know, making the right decisions of of of, of it within his hockey career. An advisor very rarely, in my experience, really opens a door for a kid. Um, you know, you could sign up if you if your kid is the best 13 year old in 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 New Hampshire, you can sign up this week, <coughs> excuse me, for any one of the tryouts in the state of New Hampshire uh, for like the youth hockey programs here. You're you're a free agent at the end of the year. Yep. And you can go to any of those great programs that um, that an advisor would recommend. There's not not a good that is not a single coach in New Hampshire who isn't going to take your kid because he doesn't have an advisor. He's going to take the best kids at the tryouts. So what are we doing here? What are we doing? That doesn't make the logic for an advisor at most of the youth level makes no sense. No, and it's the youth levels first. I mean, it's even, I mean that's just a joke. I mean, but I'm I'm thinking that midget age group, you know, starting at 15U, and I mean, like even for you know, again, when you're first year midget, like kids that are getting advisors, it's I think maybe the the top one or two percent of of the youth hockey players at the, in those ages, they they can probably use an advisor to help them, at least guide them. Um, because those are going to be kids that are going to be talking to probably division one schools we're talking about. Um, <clears throat> but like everybody else, it's, it's, there are f- there's free information out there. You can talk to your coach. You should be able to talk to your coach. You can go on forums. You know, I know that I've written a couple, I know you've written a couple of different articles on the website about just doing it. You're on your own for free. Um, and but again, as you said, I you know it's keeping up the Joneses. It's the fear of missing out. It's this, this, and that. And I, I've sat in, and and the way that some of these advisors are, you know, portraying themselves. I sat in on one that is, it, it's not even like I sat in on one call a couple years ago, um, where actually I I pretended I was the players' finance or the not financial uh schooling like education advisor and this is for a uh, company that usa hockey was marketing as like a great you know like a partner um and i sat in on the call because i was like you know i read the email that the parent had gotten from the group or uh, the company um and, and they do don't get me wrong they represent very well uh in other sports but hockey i was just like there's no way after reading the email about this kid and the kid's talented player but he was not a i would say if he tried his hardest, possibly could have made a division like a tier two. Uh, I mean, that's even reaching it. Um, you know, he would have been a he would have been a great tier three hockey player. Um, so anyhow, long story short, you know, the email that they got about it was, oh, let's set up a free call, this and that. You know, we think we can get him into you know a couple of maybe division one programs or division three. And I sat in listening on the call, and I'm texting the kid's dad on the side who's listening and doing all the talking. He, I'm just like, this guy's full of shit. He's he, this is not true. This is and that. And finally, I, I just stepped in. I was I was like, can I say something? He goes, his dad goes, go right ahead because he was he was tired of hearing it. And finally, I did. I put the, you know, it was a younger guy. I mean, it was somebody who had never played hockey before too. That was the funny part about it. Wow. And I'm like, I go, dude, like, I go, do you even understand how the hockey? you know how the world works like in hockey like what about junior hockey 
oh, well, yeah, we've got connections in junior hockey. I was like, what levels? Couldn't tell me what levels. He's like, all over. I was like, well, that doesn't answer my question. I go, I go, do you know what the average age of the incoming freshman on a Division One team is? And he's like, he didn't answer. I go, it's, it's 20, 20, 21. Oh, uh, you know, he's like, well, we can. I was like, no, you're not. I go, no, 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 no. You're not listening. I go, no offense. Uh, just make up a name. No offense, Rob. Uh, your kid. I go, I love your kid. He's a great kid. I love working with him, but he's not a Division One player. I go, you've never seen him play. I go, you don't even, I, you know nothing about him. And how can you sit here and do this? Like, eventually it got to the point where the kid, and I say kid because if, I think he just feels like he just got out of college. He just shut his mouth. And finally, it got dead silent after I asked all these questions that he couldn't answer. And he goes, well, sounds like uh, you guys really aren't interested in our what we, we have to offer then, huh? I was like, <laughs> I was like, uh, well, earth the fucking moron here. Like, no, no, we don't. <laughs> like, who are you doing? He, he admitted, he was, oh, I played soccer in college. I was like, well, well, you know nothing about hockey then. Like, why are you doing this? Now, granted, that's two very, di- very different beasts for sure. Right. And again, it's, but it's the whole, you know, it's the players taking advantage and, or not players, it's the, it's the advisors taking advantage of just unknowing people, unknowing participants. And, it's really the parents um, because they're the one who foot the bill. And then it puts the kids in a tough spot, as you've said, and you've written a couple of those art, art, uh, you know, pieces. Puts the kids in a tough spot because they end up going somewhere else or doing something that's not good for them. Um, so absolutely. You know, and, and, the, and, the, and the advisors always, they, they make, um, they justify their, their compensation based upon movement. If you're in a situation and you're doing well, well, the coach, you know, that means the kid's having success on the ice. That's probably related to the coach or his team or his effort. But if you can move the kid, well, look what I did for you. Right. Right. So like an advisor is never going to be happy or a good advice, like a a, a bad advisor is never going to be happy if the kid's just having success and staying at the same program. A good advisor who's given good advice said, well, now I I noticed in your game, you got to get better. You know, your hands got to get faster. Your feet got to faster. Like who's actually giving advice will give good advice, a right. good advisor. But a bad advisor just makes make justifies his salary based upon that movement. And uh, I would say this. I would say that, you know, we've talked about many times that the hockey world is incredibly small. And there are so many willing participants, so many people who you could pick up a phone and reach out to who would be willing to give advice to your son or daughter and further on and for help them further their careers. I remember um, I used I used to work pro ambitions hockey camps for a number of years, uh, and I worked with Megan Bozik. I think she's from Chicago, and she was an yes, Olympian, sir. and uh, really great person. Uh, worked probably two camps with her. Uh, you know, we're Facebook friends, or whatever. And I had a young girl, uh, Bree Ricker um, from Laconia here, who was going to move on to a girls program, and you know, gone a lot of you know say hockey festival camps, and was a really high end player. Um, and she was like, you know, coach, I had done a lot of private lessons with her and things like that. And she's like, coach, you know, I just want to know how I can kind of continue to advance. I really want to play in college hockey. And I said, well, maybe you can reach out to Megan. And I, I, you know, messaged Megan, got her phone number. They, they talked on the phone and now, you know, fast forward five, six years and, and Bree is playing at, at Norwich and having a really good freshman season. But I, I couldn't provide a ton of information because I'm not really involved with the girls game, but people are willing to help. 
And people at high levels are willing to pick up the phone, answer an email. You don't need to pay five grand for that. No, no. And that's, I I will confess at one point um, I had discussed with a advising company about um, joining on as like a kind of just like an area scout, basically bas- doing like the little work for them and, uh, or like the heavy work of finding people and pushing them to them. And after I got done with the call, I was just like, I was like, no, nah, this just isn't for me. Like I just felt, yeah. you know, again, cause I was like, you know, what else can I do to try and get involved with the hockey world as well as coaching? But I was just like, after I did it, I was just like, and it, honestly, it was probably one of the best decisions for myself I've ever made because I don't, I would have felt terrible. And I don't get me wrong. The company that I talked to, they did. They do. I think they do a decent job. I don't think they're. I don't think they're predatory. If, based on the players that I've seen that they've had, they actually typically have some of the better, the best players in the area. So, I will not call them. You know, a predatory advising company. But I just, I just didn't feel. I, to me, it just didn't feel right, especially with the type of players that I would have to be like going after. Um, cause I mean, I am offering it to all players. It wasn't just, but they had, they, they had the good, the talented players. And like I said, they do a pretty good job of promoting. And that's what I, and that's what you need is, as you said already, like, Hey, your hands are work. You, you need to work on this. We need to work on that. But you know, also someone that's promoting you to those higher teams as well. Um, especially in the off season, but during the regular season too, like that, that's what matters. I think the most, and if you're getting something like that, that's, what's important, but you know, get paying five grand to end up playing tier three hockey anywhere. Like you, you can go to a local tryout or you could fly somewhere for under a grand and sign up for their showcase and get on a junior team and save yourself the extra, that extra, you know, three, four grand that you would be paying to do, you know, to have somebody tell you to go play for that team. <laughs> Fucking yeah, team well, you know? or, or you could do so, you know, as a kid, I would encourage kids to, Really, you know, take accountability for their their own decision making, you know, and go on online, do some research, see what leagues are committing players. If you're that level for that league, find what you think is the best league, then look for the best organizations that are the best fit for you. Like if you're a farm kid, it's probably not a great idea to go right to Philly. You know, if you're like a kid, I don't think from, it's ever a good idea to go to Philly, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> if you're a kid from Chicago, maybe you'd fit in just well, just really great in Boston. Like, find what's right. a good fit for you. Do your homework. Do your research. Nobody knows your situation better than your parents and yourself. And then look at yourself, gauge what what is good for you, and then reach out to a coach. Um, the coaches are always willing to talk. They're always oh, willing absolutely. to respond to an email. Like. Um, you know, and then you get up on a phone, get on a phone call with, with, with somebody and maybe it doesn't feel right. So maybe you got to look elsewhere, you know, but it, it does do, do your own legwork. That's how you really get a feel for things. And I think that's one thing that it's so much easier. And again, I, I 1000% agree with you. I remember even myself just trying to become a scout for a local at this time, they're now defunct, uh, but a, you know, local tier three team. Uh, just to be a scout, I was offering my time for free just to go out and scout around, and um, never heard a single word back from them. Um, and but I did that for you know, I did that for that one. I think I reached out to one other one, and they gave me a heads up like, Hey, we appreciate it, but we're not looking for anybody in your area, we've already got someone. But like, I feel like that the accountability of people nowadays just for some, it's easier to throw money at it and then for them to do the work than. 
or for that person they've thrown the money at to do the work than them actually having to go out and get educated. So, yeah. And and an advisor would say, Oh, we do the legwork for you. But to quote a Chicago legend, you you can get a good look at a T-bone steak by sticking your head up a bull's ass, but I'd rather take the butcher's word for it. Well, ladies and gentlemen, uh, I am Trevor DiCarlo. (laughs) I am Andrew Trimble. This is fun, and we will uh, catch you on the next episode.